Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And I'm getting a chance today to visit with my friend, Jen McNally of ESU5, as we're going to be talking in this segment, as we will across all three segments of today's pod, uh, about social emotional learning and wellness and mindfulness and, and just kind of those general topics uh, and getting a chance to see what that looks like across various ESUs. And so Jen's been so kind as to give us a little bit of a window and an insight into the things that are happening at ESU5 and be and so, Jen, thanks for joining us for the pod. It's great to be here. Glad to be here talking with you and everybody listening. Hello. Hope you're all well. Yeah. And uh, speaking of what being well and wellness, uh, at ESU5, you all are invested in educator wellness support. Uh, and we had a chance to talk about this a little bit before we started recording today. And so for people who are not familiar with that program, can you share a little bit more about the work that's going on at Five? Yeah, we're really focused in this year as we always are. And I think as, as many of you listening can attest to, it, it, it's you know challenging at times in education because you're leading with uh, not only learning all the content, best instructional practices and curriculum, but you also have that relationship component where you deeply care for your students and your colleagues and your community. And we can have some depletion of our reserves. And so we really wanted to think about how do we restore and recharge our wellness so we can resume into our daily life and find those micro moments of joy and be re-engaged in our classroom, which we know has a profound ripple effect for everyone around us. So we started this year what we call the Issue 5 Educator Wellness Support. Every one of our school districts has the opportunity to fill out a very brief support form and then it goes directly to the mental health team and we are providing across all 10 districts now support for educators to just think about how their own wellness is or how they're taking care of themselves. Some of that we've had is just teachers just need to just vent. They just, and administrators just wanted to let somebody know what was going on. Hey, am I on the right page here? And what do you think about that? Kind of having that extra uh, opinion or support or just developing a wellness plan for themselves, or maybe they're struggling with how to communicate what they need. And so we're just really being purposeful in that. It's not meant to be therapy. It's meant to just be a support where we are really discussing where are we just kind of feeling off at and how can we be supportive and partner with that educator to help them resume into all the things they do that are so magnificent and wonderful. You're so right, because if we can't be at our best for ourselves, it's hard for us to be at our best for our learners, right? And so I want to ask two parts, and so we'll, we'll break this down and lead with the first would be to say, I'm curious to know kind of systemically how this works. You mentioned that there's a form and that there obviously has to be an opportunity to connect. And so is that in-person whole group? Is that individual? Is that through Zoom? And then the, the follow-up question to that here in a moment would be to say, what do those conversations look like? But let's maybe start with how we're going about connecting with those educators when they need it? Yeah, so they all have access to the educator wellness support form. That's just the Google Drive doc that goes directly to the mental health team. And then we work with the educator to decide what is best for them for timeframes. Some of our educators really would rather prefer Zoom and they just want to do that in a time that works for them and their schedule. We've also had some people who prefer in-person and a hybrid kind of approach. And so it's really meeting them at what works best for them because we do want to maximize the amount of 
of time that we are together, right? It's quality and not just spend our time doing other things that are not meaningful for them. So absolutely, we are meeting them where they're at. And we're so excited about the outcomes that we've had. And then your second question. Yeah, is to ask, because uh, I heard a number of things in there that it sounded a little bit like strategies potentially at times. At others, it's the opportunity to have someone available to you to listen. And I wondered the nature of those supports and those conversations, what does that typically look like? Because those are some very different things. Yeah, they have, um, when we mark on the sheet, they really identify like, is there an area that I want to just specifically work on wellness? Maybe I'm having an issue with a conflict or uh, I'm, I'm missing some communication cues and I'm not sure how to maneuver through that. Maybe I don't know how to have that self-advocacy and that confidence and competence to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm really struggling right now. And as educators, as we all know, they just go, 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 and they will do anything and everything they can do for the service of other people. And just like you said earlier, we do have to take care of ourselves first, which is in turn taking care of everybody around us and giving the best of us to other people also includes making sure we're giving the best of us to ourselves. So this is where we're really focusing on with the support is helping people really replenish those reserves that feel depleted throughout the whole year. Yeah, and when you use the word depleted there too, it makes me wonder, I know that you and I have informally talked about this previously. Uh, are you seeing that the continued stressors of the present moment, whether that be anything from pandemic related or just the social climate or the demands of being an educator? I mean, this work is always important. But where are teachers at right now? Well, we always know that even pre-pandemic, we had information that was alarming and we really were paying a lot of attention to and figuring out strategies and interventions we could do to help with that losing educators within those first five years at over 50%. And one of the main areas was that burnout and fatigue. And, you know, I think this year, what we hear a lot about is still that continued people feel tired. But I, I also want us people to reflect on the fact that Nebraska public schools led the nation on staying open and, and navigating it through technology and community and everything to keep for safety. And we just did that, everything and anything we had to do. And I do feel like we just led that at some level with just a pure adrenaline. I think whether you're in any part of education, myself included, and I think this year what we're finding is, I want to say almost like that adrenaline kind of crash where we have just continued to just give everything. And I am seeing a lot more teachers who are subbing during plan periods and who are doing extra tasks in the, the day. And they are absolutely doing it because they know it matters. And educators will always do what they have to do to make sure that other people are okay, especially their kids and their students in their classroom and their colleagues and community. So yeah, I see a lot of that. And that is a, a main factor of why we decided in ESU 5 to say, hey, we have to help be purposeful in providing an additional support outside of the model of wellness for all model that we already currently do. And really think about what are we being strategic with and helping them and following with them on that journey. Not just saying, hey, you're gonna be okay, but like, we're gonna do this together. You are not alone. I hear you, I see you and you matter and you're worth the effort. So let's figure this out. 
Absolutely. And when you say educator there too, we might pivot to thinking specifically about our classroom practitioners, but in your efforts through this educator wellness support, have you also found that school leaders and administrators have reached out to you for help in this capacity? Because it's been a tough time for them as well. Oh, I mean, you have administrators who are making and, and trying to make decisions that no one in our lifetime has ever had to face. And it hasn't been easy. And I think we can all attest to that. You're always going to have somebody who agrees and somebody who maybe thinks that's not the best idea that we could go with. But the amount of pressure that feels like as an administrator, I think has, is something I'm very much hearing. And I'm, I have to say, I'm so absolutely proud of how our administrators show up and do everything they have to do and need to do and get to do to provide the supports that everyone around them desperately also need. And so with that, I think the voice of administrators is so powerful. And in my role, I always say I get inspired every day. Well, I get inspired every day because I get to work with educators. I get to see the magic that our, like you said, practitioners do, our students, our scholars do, and also what administrators do, our superintendents. And so I'm really excited because we are partnering with Nebraska Council of School Administrators and Tyler, who everybody knows, he's so eloquent, his writing, he tells our stories in Nebraska with Nebraska Public Schools Advantage. We are going to start with a five-part series starting this winter, interviewing, Tyler and I are going to be interviewing and talking about what is that mean when we say leaning into purpose and getting inspiration from superintendents across our state who they can inspire other administrators going through very similar things that we see across the board. And so I cannot wait for that celebration, hearing those words, because we do, we speak life into the words we say to ourselves and it, it matters. It matters that we know that we are not alone in that thought. We are not alone in that feeling of, wow, this feels heavy. I might be carrying this really well, but it feels heavy on my heart and mind. So I'm so excited for that project that we're gonna do. And I wish it was December right now so we could roll out that magazine. And I love that my heart's in the same place for it too, that regardless of whether it's in person through a conversation, it could be a Zoom dialogue, it could be something you read in a magazine or a podcast that you listen to. It's so helpful to be able to connect with other people as they share their story can kind of affirm part of what you're experiencing, but also maybe uh, help you process and deal with some of the things that, that uh, maybe you previously thought yourself to be alone in and with those struggles. And so thanks so much for stepping into those spaces as often and as diverse ways as you do, as, as does your entire team there at ESU5. And so I do want to ask maybe as kind of a closing question for this segment of today's podcast, if you were to share, let's say one or two strategies, what would you recommend to, to educators broadly? Oh, well, I, for sure, the thing that goes right to my heart when you say that is there's a lot that's going on. There's still a lot of what ifs. There are still a lot of things that we are concerned about and that we will continue to face, right? We, that mountain kind of feels like it shows up every day. And I would say, just take a step. You will get there. And trust me when I say, what is, is more powerful than what ifs you've ever faced and will continue. The what is of the magic of educators is the continuous hope and instilling that hope and safety, belonging and community. 
And I know it can feel tangled up like Christmas lights and it can be frustrating and detangling all of that for ourselves and on our wellness and our heart and our minds. Don't forget your why. It is your roots. Cultivate those roots because storms have come and we will face storms in the future, but roots and the anchor of your why is essential for us to face those collectively together. Well, and Jen, this is why I asked you to be a part of this day, not only because of the quality of the work that you and your entire team are doing in support of our educators and students, but because I just love your heart for what you're doing. And I can tell through what you've shared here today uh, that that why for you is certainly fixed. And so thank you so much for all that you pour into supporting others through that passion that you clearly have. And great to showcase that here on today's podcast. So thank you, Jen. You're welcome. It was awesome. So excited to be here. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening, stick around because we've got two more segments here coming up next. Bye, everybody. All right. This next segment of today's podcast, I'm grateful to Teresa Rita Olson of ESU 10 for joining us as we continue to talk about SEL and thinking about wellness in terms of supporting teachers. And with each of these different segments of today's podcast, we're just trying to look at how locally our ESUs are supporting the work that's going on within their region, but that collectively uh, we're all invested in very similar topics. And so uh, Teresa is going to share a little bit about some of the things that they're doing with self-care in support of the educators in the ESU 10 region. So uh, Teresa, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and before we started recording, you were sharing a little bit about your personal story with this. And I, I absolutely loved it because I think that when the work that we're doing really hits close to home, there's just an authenticity there that is really special. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing some of that to start things off, yeah, where did this work begin with you supporting teachers wellness? Well, I started in this role at ESU 10 about six years ago, and one of my areas of responsibility was to be part of the MTSS team. And I, I didn't quite know how I fit in it. And I'm grateful for my former coworker, Susan Evans, who said, you know, this mindfulness stuff, I've heard about it. Don't know not a lot about it, but maybe you should look into it. So I'm like, okay, I've heard a little bit about it. And I know it's not for me. It's totally like out of my comfort zone, secondary teacher, you know, like I don't do that feeling stuff, but <laughs> this would probably be great for kids. I know a lot of kids that could use these kind of strategies to help just, you know, be calm and ready to learn. And so I took an online course through Mindful Schools. It was their 101 course, Mindfulness for Educators or Educator Essentials, something like that. And as I'm taking the class, I'm, you know, it's, and it's all about personal practice because they make you start with yourself first. And as I'm taking, I'm like, you know, this would probably be really great for teachers. There's so many situations we're put into that really, we need those moments to just be able to find our calm, our peace, so we can be the best adults in the room as possible. But still, not for me. Not for me. I can't do it. I can't be quiet for 10 minutes, so no way. And unfortunately for me, by the end of the course, or fortunately probably, by the end of the course, I realized that this was really for me, that this was something that I needed in my life, that um, I've even, my husband has even said, that I have changed for the better because of that. So when your partner of, you know, he's been with me for about 20 years now tells you you've changed for the better, it's, it must be a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that too, when our work, and I, I used to think about it all the time, particularly when I was in the classroom about how there's this kind of beautiful reciprocity, I think, between the lessons you kind of pick up at work from working with kids and working with your colleagues that you can then like bring home and vice versa, that sometimes the things that you're learning in your personal life 
really can pay dividends into that work environment. And so this is by topic, really kind of a, a big part of that complete circle, I think, is that idea of wellness uh, in all of its aspects. So it's really cool to see the connections you were making and that your husband recognized that as well. Well, and what's really fun is that because I, my language has kind of changed and my tone and how I talk to him and my son and other people around me, I'm noticing that theirs are changing too. So without even them practicing or being committed to working with these practices, they're actually taking on some mindfulness traits too. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> that would be, yeah, absolutely love that. And I love to thinking about what then that could mean for teachers in terms of your ability to give your testimonial like you're doing right now and to support them in hopefully making some of these healthy choices themselves. And so where did that then kind of rubber meet the road with regards to you had this transformational moment of, of awareness, I guess, for lack of a better word. No, that's the best word for it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that you, that you wanted uh, to start to uh, integrate into how you went about your life. And so uh, where then were you able to find an outlet for that professionally? Well, and I'm always one that I don't want, I believe in change, but I know that some people don't handle a lot of change all at once. So yeah. when we started with this, we just started with a couple of one day workshops and we really actually focused on growth mindset along with mindfulness because growth mindset at the time was kind of big. And so we brought those two together and then found that the teachers really responded to the mindfulness piece. And so after those one day workshop, couple of one day workshops, and I'd done some introductory breakout sessions at different conferences throughout the state. I did about two or three years worth of summer classes where teachers came and either we did it online or in person. And really just, again, these classes were just about focusing on our own personal practice, how we become more mindful educators. And so we did that for a couple of years. And then I decided, and thankfully, I guess we can thank COVID for some things because we weren't doing as many trainings and had some extra money here at ESU 10. So we were able to actually get about 30 teachers trained in the mindful schools curriculum, which is, so this past summer, they took the online summer class and um, about, like I said, 30 teachers completed that work. Well, and talk to me a little bit about what that work entailed, I guess. So when we think about what they're learning and are these things for them to integrate into their own life? Are these practices for them to implement into a classroom setting in support of students? Uh, both, I guess, give me a sense of what they were going through. So mindfulness, one of the definitions of mindfulness is really to just be in the present moment, non-judgmentally. So we observe what's going on around us with curiosity versus judgment that we instead of worrying about what's going to happen in the future or ruminating over what happened in the past, we're trying to be right here, right now, and accepting things as they are. So um, one of the comforts that I've found with mindfulness is really just allowing myself to have the emotions that I'm having. I grew up thinking that you have to show that you're happy all the time. And if you don't, there's something wrong. And then you need to go to your room. This really is about, it's okay to not be okay. And how can we help you shift if you need to shift to, you know, feeling a little better than not okay. And so teachers, the strategies or tools that they would practice were, you know, like meditations or mindful walking, mindful eating, or, you know, just awareness of senses, what's happening around you. So all of these things bring you back into the present moment and allow you to let go of some of the anxiousness that might be happening or some uncomfortable emotions that might be surrounded around things that you're worried about. And so when we do this work with kids, 
really we're just again trying to get them to practice being here right now so one of the big practices that we do in mindfulness is listening to a bell so you ring a bell or a chime and you just try to listen to it for as long as you can because it's not a very long time you have to pay attention to but it's one thing we pay attention to so many things all the time that our brain doesn't ever get that opportunity to just rest so mindfulness is like restarting your computer Doing a little mindfulness session is about a little restart, just to shake things off and begin again. Gosh, I love that. And thinking about, and there's got to be other strategies in addition oh, yeah. to the bell too, right? I, I recently listened to a podcast where they were promoting this idea of exercise snacks is what they call them, uh, where during the day you just do about three minutes of maybe one set of three different exercises, you know, for a minute each, and then you get back to your day. And there's something about just taking that time to count and just do one activity for a minute and then another one for a minute and a third. That's really, I found beyond just even the physical piece of it, it's just like mentally helpful. Like mm -hmm. you said, to just uh, stop multitasking for a second and, and focus in. So something like that even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's really about the focus on one thing because we don't focus on one thing. And then just to be kind, to build some compassion towards yourself, to be kind towards yourself, because we're often, I hear people say, well, I can't, I can't meditate because I can't focus for that long, or I can't get my, keep my mind from not thinking. Well, our mind is meant to wander. That's what it does. Just like our lungs are meant to breathe. Our heart is meant to beat. Our mind is meant to be thinking about all different kinds of things. So the point of mindfulness isn't to stop that. You're never going to stop that, but to become aware of it when it happens. Like when you're driving and you're also like, Wait, what town am I in again? Because your body's on automatic and your brain can go and do whatever. So it's about oh, realizing I went somewhere. Time to come back. Yeah. And I have no data to support this other than purely anecdotal, but I feel like educators, particularly solid educators are incredibly reflective and can view their own actions with a critical eye to make those reflections meaningful towards like change moving forward. But that also means that we're always pretty attuned to the things that we're not doing well. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I think we can be our own worst enemy sometimes uh -huh. in that yeah, regard. Some, Do you agree, I guess? I don't, I don't yeah, know. no, we have some pretty mean inner critics. In fact, when I started this work and we started, because I've also done a few self-care classes with teachers, when we start talking about self-care, they really feel like one, they, they can't because we're meant to give everything to our kids. If we don't give all, then we're not valued educators. And unfortunately, that's when we see a lot of that compassion fatigue or burnout because they've given everything and but never gotten anything back, never filled that bucket back up. So there's nothing left to give. And so they don't think they can either, that it's selfish to do any of this work because why I don't need to take care of myself. I'm, I'm a good person. You know, you talked there a little bit too about that idea of balance. And that's something that I have really been entertaining a lot just on a personal level is to think that you're, you're right. We have a tendency to think that our responsibility is to just pour out, pour out, pour out, and that whatever you might prioritize at any given moment is what you should prioritize in every moment. And I think that that's a false narrative on some level that I feel like for things to stay in balance, certainly you're going to prioritize, let's say like family, friends, like you said, your students for that mm -hmm. matter. Uh, but there are moments where you do need to take 
you know, one out of every 15 times <laughs> to prioritize something else um, and, and to keep everything at a state of healthy, like equilibrium, I think. And I'm hearing that maybe a little bit in what yeah. you're there is our giving ourselves permission to balance those things when we know there's other things we could prioritize, uh, but it wouldn't be healthy to do so. Yeah. And it's really interesting once we see teachers starting to do this work, like I always say that whatever practice you choose for self-care, for me, it's been mindfulness, but I do other things and I can do all of them mindfully or not. Um, but whatever you choose for self-care, it becomes not the thing that you spoil yourself with, but the thing that helps you get up in the morning, the thing that helps you function and helps you enjoy your work versus just doing it because you're supposed to. And so I had a school psychologist tell me it's, it just helps me function. <laughs> Like, and I'd hate that that's the bottom line, but when, once you start to do it, you realize it's just like flossing our teeth. I don't like to floss my teeth, but I also don't like to go to the dentist and get cavities filled. So I do it because I know it's going to help me enjoy my work better, be a better parent at home. It's really just like you said, finding that balance so that I can show up and be the best person I can be that day. Love that. And you're so right too, that this is everything from your mindset to your actions and your routines. And there's a prioritization like component to it as well that I'm sure have all been wrapped up in some of this work. And so you mentioned a moment ago, feel a little bit about your self-care class again. So I don't know if, um, cause that's building upon the 30 teachers that were trained mm -hmm. with, right? Yeah, very similar. I've got a, I've got a good group of people that I get to work with and every year I, I collect a few more. <laughs> We have a large area here at ESU 10, so I'm very lucky to work with several teachers from varying school districts. And the self-care class, Susan Evans and I have done it twice. And I, I took this year off because after she retired, I'm like, I don't know if I could do it by myself without her. So I'm trying to talk her into coming back and doing with me again next year because she can. <laughs> um, but we met once a month. The first class started in June, uh, the first year we started in June, and we used Elena Aguilar's book Onward, which is really, it's just all about, the book is called Onward, Cultivating Emotional Resilience in Educators. And so every chapter is meant to help us during that month. So whatever the topic is, it's revolved around what our life is like that month. So for example, October is actually the mindfulness month because this is the start of the hardest time of the year. October is when we hit the disillusionment phase, when we've, we've gotten through the beginning of the year, the honeymoon period with our kids, the survival period where we're just getting everything done that we need to. And then the disillusionment phase where like May is so far away. <laughs> it's getting real. Yeah. It's getting real. And I mean, I'm seeing it with the teachers that I'm working with, with the administrators, like everybody's just kind of like, we're done and it's only October, but this is normal. We're just not used to normal. <laughs> and so this is the time of year where we have to figure out now, how, okay, so I'm depleted. What do I need to do to help me get something back? And so each month is just, it just hits things so well. Like, so by May, we're doing celebrations and appreciations because we made it through another year. Let's celebrate what we did, what happened, appreciate ourselves for what we learned, things like that. So it's, it's been really fun to go through these journeys. And the first year ended during the pandemic when we were all shut down. We had met in person and then had to pivot to Zoom and it was something that we all needed at that time. And then the next year, it was interesting. They all just wanted to meet on Zoom. So we met out on Zoom for the whole next year with the new class. 
but it was just, it was so much fun. And I still have teachers say that it was the best PD that they'd had because it was about, you know, their pedagogy is great and how to be good instructors are great. But when we can't be the best version, but a good version of ourselves that day, it's hard to be a good teacher, a good instructor, a good support or mentor. So this work, I think, has been really great just to build that awareness that it's okay to not, you don't have to die for your kids. You don't have to give everything every day to your kids so that you go home and you're completely exhausted. And your, your students will still love you and they'll still get a lot from you. It's just, you don't have to sacrifice your own self for them. Yeah. And that maybe even more, maybe they'll even get more by yeah. being your better version. And so it is interesting to think about the positive repercussions that come from being in balance uh, mm -hmm. with everything. And how fortuitous was it that you'd started this course ahead of the trials and tribulations that took place from March, 2020 to now. And I, I'd be curious to ask, and this might be kind of our closing question here for this time. Have you gotten any feedback from those teachers in terms of their own implementation or them being able to sort of support, share, spread ideas to students or their colleagues as a result of having had a chance to invest in those monthly meetings that ESU 10 is hosting? Yeah, I've heard just like, especially teachers, because we always have those more difficult years. And I've had a couple of teachers that have had to go through those while they were going through this class. And they realize the importance of resilience, you know, like the idea that everything is temporary, that we will get through it. And we've seen teachers implement things like teaching kids just how to breathe in class, to take a breathing break or coloring, allowing coloring again. I've seen that a lot, but just that their rooms are now about some of them, not all of them, but most of them, that their rooms are now about welcoming the kids where they're at versus telling them they need to be somewhere they're not. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally does. I feel like <laughs> I've talked to so many teachers who have said that they felt like the pandemic learning scenarios where they had to get back to focusing on relationships really then translated uh, that they're just seeing, I really maybe lost some of that emotional relationship piece mm -hmm. uh, prior to the pandemic that now I have a renewed sense of appreciation for and see the value in. And it has translated into really making that a higher priority uh, in the daily rhythms of what I'm doing in the classroom, right? To kind of your- Yes. Yes, I agree. And I think that for so long, we focused on which it's great. And I think we need to, we need to focus on student achievement and how they're doing, but if they're not emotionally available to learn, does that matter? Tremendously. And so like, yeah, exactly. Like I, I love having conversations, especially with like my colleagues or other teachers about, you know, like tell me a negative emotional experience you had in school and they can pinpoint it exactly and talk about how it negatively impacted their learning in that subject area or that topic and so i think when we talk about supporting kids social emotional needs and supporting our social emotional needs we we're going to see great benefits again no data but that's just my hope <laughs> Uh, so Teresa, I so appreciate your passion for this, for your hopes for educators that are listening in to think about this work a little bit more. And this is the focus of the series. This is why I want to, uh, it's just to say, look at the work that's being done across Nebraska in unique ways by great leaders like yourself on, on this and other topics. And so thank you so much for your time today and for your continued advocacy for this work. Thank you.
And back for the second week in a row, we have Lynn Herr here from ESU6, as we're going to be talking a little bit about the ways in which tech can support social-emotional learning and also our wellness as professionals and supporting that in our learners. And so, Lynn, thanks for being back on the pod again this week. Yes, thank you for having me again. It's great to be here. Yeah, and help us out. Can we get your title at ESU6? Yes. Uh, this is my 15th year at ESU6 as the technology professional development consultant for our schools there. Uh, excellent. When we were recording the previous podcast on technology across our ESUs and kind of the impact that we collectively have, uh, we started to talk about this SEL conversation and wellness and some of the cool uh, apps and programs and things that you've had a chance to support teachers with. And so in no priority order, happy to just learn a couple of those things here in uh, this segment of today's pod. Sure. Happy to share some of those. I think it's really important, especially now, when often we think of technology as kind of the root of all of the problems that we have. You know, that we're on our phones too much and we are you know, addicted to apps and different social media sites. And in no way do I want to discount that as a problem. But I've always believed technology is a neutral platform. How we choose to use it is so important. So. In this regard, there are some great apps and tools that can support healthy uh, mental and physical health, and I think a lot of people take advantage of those, and some people don't know about some of those tools that are out there, so I'm happy to share some of those today. Yeah, and so what are some of the ones that you've found to be best received by our classroom teachers, particularly in the last 18 months, which has been a pretty stressful period of time? Yes, um, that's a great question. And even before the last 18 months, we were using some of these tools. And I think we have evidence that shows from the teachers I work with that they did make a difference. So for example, a lot of teachers do have Google Home or Alexa in their classroom. You can say to Alexa, give me a two-minute mindfulness deep breathing exercise, and it instantly comes on. And I was hesitant to even mention this to teachers because I didn't know what are middle school kids going to do when you say it's time to focus on mindfulness. And every teacher who tried it uh, usually used it as a transition from an active part of class, whether that was lunch or recess or some other class, as a way to transition energy levels to be focused in their class. Even for just one minute or two minutes, they found it made a huge difference. I had a sixth grade teacher who started implementing two-minute mindfulness exercises through the call map, uh, which is discounted and kind of comes and goes where it's free for teachers, but it has great student-centered calming activities that can be done in one minute or two minutes. And the teacher told me that if they didn't do it, the kids asked for it because they knew that it helped them be better in class and transition their energy. So I think any time we can find tools like that, that help us both as teachers personally, help us with classroom management and help students better manage their own energy, those are definitely tools we should look at. Well, and Lynn, what I love about what you pointed out right there is that there is always that need for us to be efficient in the sense of are we accomplishing multiple things on different fronts in the limited time that we have? Because as teachers, we do have very limited time in our classrooms. So uh, to be able to transition and have a mindfulness moment for you and a mindfulness moment for your students uh, and to really set up that next activity, uh, it all sounds like is a pretty good use of a few minutes of time. Yes, yes, I agree. I think one of the things that has come to the forefront in the last 18 months is 
the anxiety levels rising for both students and teachers. So we had hoped it'd be better by now, I think, where the pandemic has kind of been in, under more control and that we have less of those extra measures that we have to do. But we've seen across the board, everybody's kind of stressed right now. So one of the things that I try to focus on with teachers and students is just different ways to force yourself to breathe, to notice your breath and how you can do that. So a lot of people are wearing fitness watches now, Apple watches or Garmin watches or anything. Having the Breathe app on there where you can set that to automatically trigger every hour, every two hours. And as a teacher, no one knows that's happening. You just feel it vibrate on your arm. You can take that minute and just focus on deep breaths. And I think that helps people just be in tune with what is the teacher's emotional level at that time and kind of reset without any outward acknowledgement that that's happening. Um, there are also some great YouTube videos and those are linked in the slides that we'll share today that you can project on the screen that are just shapes that are changing size, getting bigger and smaller to use on the screen as kids come into class and sit down, they look up at the screen and they just match their breathing to the shape. And that just that breathing can help transition kids' uh, energy level to make class go more smoothly. Oh, terrific. And uh, you mentioned there the slide deck. And so uh, for those listening in, if you'd like to check out the show notes, we've linked in the show notes uh, the Google Slides that have the resources we're referencing today and much more than, than we'll probably be able to get to in our short segment. Uh, but thanks for putting that together and sharing that out. Absolutely. Uh, and would certainly want to point people to that to that resource. And so so what other tricks do you have, I guess, kind of up your sleeve in terms sure, of these supports? Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. so we've kind of talked app. about mindfulness. We've talked about breathing. I think time is always the thing that teachers bring up is when would I find time to do that? And mm -hmm. we did talk just now about ways we can integrate that into classrooms. But I've also been trying to focus on apps and tools that help us free up time. And again, I think one of the silver linings that's come from the last 18 months is that we have a lot more options for things like grocery pickup. Um, the hour that you spend going through the grocery store, maybe not choosing all of the things that were on your list, but things that become no. impulse buys. <laughs> uh, not that that ever happens in my household. Uh, being Same. able to use those apps where you can save the things that you get, put it in the app, drive up, someone puts it in your car and you go home, that lessens your stress possibly saves money for people because of those impulse buys and then just frees up that time so even when you pull in the parking lot to wait for someone who's done all your shopping and bring it out to put it in the car that can be five minutes that you get to breathe or just have quiet time for yourself so things like that that can free up time often you can now combine shopping apps with meal planning apps so one of those that's been around for many many years back when my kids were young uh, we used emails where it was just pdfs that they emailed me once a week and it had the week's worth of menus tied to a shopping list i took it to the store nothing was fancy or complicated each whole meal fit in one little square of my um, pdf chart now those are tied with digital apps so you can pick the meal plan that you want and it's everything from kid-friendly to low-budget to keto to diabetic. Pick the menu plan that works for your family, combine it with one of the shopping apps, and that's 
a lot of meal planning I have found is a lot of stress for a lot of teachers. What are we going to have? Who's going to make it? When do we get the food? So I think we have more options even in that regard now. People who live in smaller towns that don't have larger grocery stores that do that shopping, it could be worth that drive just to have time to yourself and be able to pick that up and go home. And e-meals is just one option. A lot of the grocery stores are creating pre-planned meals that sync with their shopping apps. So some things like that. I've even tried the meal services where you just open your door and it's all in a box ready for you to cook. Um, And that's in the slide too, several different options that teachers have told me have been helpful to their families there. So there are even things like that. There are things that, especially in Nebraska, we have a lot of teachers who live in rural areas that just don't have options for things like a yoga class. So there are lots of yoga apps that uh, you can download, you know, project to your TV, customize to your own song list, and just spend five minutes right before bed or when you get up in the morning to be able to get your body relaxed and moving. So I feel like tech combined with things that we can find to carve out five or 10 minutes at a time um, can really make small changes. I think all of us truly believe that small changes build up over time, Mm -hmm. but we often don't have the patience to implement those. We want everything changed at one time. I know I do. So trying to just choose one thing that you find that's helpful for you and start to build on that one thing from there. Yeah, one of my favorite ways to enhance my own intentionality, because like you're saying, like we're busy and it's tough sometimes to even prioritize that one little thing that's the next step towards the greater progression and to get momentum behind that as well uh, is it's called the five for five or each day for five days straight you're going to hold yourself to doing one new thing which you can decide Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Uh, for those five days and you can't do all five of them on Friday you can't like if you skip a day Mm -hmm. you have lost for the week and you can continue to try to you know play it out and go four for five um, but then that you can reset the next week with the same goal uh, or with something different Uh, and it is interesting as you start to do that over several weeks you can have certain things stick and it is much more manageable to think well I'm just gonna do this once yes today tomorrow Mm -hmm. and through Friday and it's it's a lighter load to carry but when you feel good from it and then you notice the right. difference yes. then you start to make it a habit yes uh, and success I really... builds on success I think and your mention of that reminds me of a book that's been around a long time called the four-day win and it's the same idea think commit to four days go from there because it feels so big sometimes to commit to something even for one month when life feels overwhelming uh, a lot of the time anyway so I love that idea of working from small increments and then building up from there. Yeah, so whether it's ordering groceries or yoga or a better transition (laughs) from one activity to the next in your class using mindfulness and and the ability for students to get centered or even doing that four for four, five for five with your students, asking them to think about uh, being intentional in that way, I think could really help. I think this also has reminded me of what I am seeing a lot of is what I would call decision fatigue when people are stressed making any decision just feels monumental sometimes. I'm getting a lot of feedback from teachers on that, that it's just they're already stretched and even what would be a small decision can sometimes feel like too much. So for example, one thing you could do, just waking up in the morning and deciding what to have for breakfast 
can take too much mental energy for some people. And when I visited Google headquarters in California, one of the things that they explained why they supply meals to their employees is the mental energy it takes to plan what you eat as an individual to decide what to have, to go buy the food, to make the food. So just deciding this week, we're having this for breakfast every day. You don't have to commit to a whole month, but then it, that decision's made. Or deciding something like that. Anything that you can do to streamline having to make less decisions each day, I have found, which feels like a really small thing, I've found both myself and people that I've talked to that it really can just be one less stressor in a day because that's already been decided. And we do that anyway. A lot of us buy the same brand of coffee every day, set the coffee pot at night so it's ready when you wake up in the morning, pour it in the cup. You're not deciding every morning, what will I have to drink this morning? So while it can feel confining when you first think about it, anything you can automate like that, I think also helps lower general stress level at a time when people are feeling more stressed. And you know, with the holidays coming up, that's another time where there's just a lot of normal extra layers of stress coming. Oh, absolutely. And so, so I, while we've talked about a lot of tech tools, I also want to point out that on the last slide of the slide deck that are shared in the comments, I have a Google form which feeds to a spreadsheet that combines both tech tools and non-tech tools for educator self-care and well-being. So, for example, one of the things you'll see there is a list of ideas of how to say no because I think sometimes as teachers, we're so giving of everything that we do that we give too much and then we do get sick or overwhelmed or burned out or stressed. So for example, something as simple as my heart says yes, but right now my calendar says no, as a way to gracefully not take on things that we just don't have the capacity to do. So I would encourage everyone to take a look at that spreadsheet. A small thing that I have found is just, for example, the tile is uh, something that you can attach to your keys. If you're always looking for your keys, the tile will mean you don't have to look for your keys anymore. You open the app, you say, I can't find my keys, and a loud beep comes up. Um, that Just that one thing, if there are people out there who are looking for their keys multiple times a day, buy the $20 tile, hook it to your keys, and that's one less stress that you have to deal with. Um, not that I'm speaking from personal experience on that one. I am, actually. I buy those by the eight pack, so I highly, and there are lots of brands of those now, but um, tools like that can help us too. We probably have time for one more. Is okay. there any other app or something you would point us to? These have all been really great resources and, and timely, as we're saying here as well. Yeah, I think, again, referencing back, we can certainly spend too much time on social media. But I also have kind of culled my social media feeds to be very supportive groups of educators. And I think sometimes it's helpful to get outside of our local sphere of the people that we're talking to every day to kind of see what's happening out there. So a lot of schools in Nebraska have worked with Dr. Tina Bogren, who has a book called Self-Care for Educators. There are resources, Facebook community for that. There are gratitude challenges going on right now in November. So finding something like that that works for you, that's a social media community um, that offers support or offers very practical tools that someone shares a template and you can use that tomorrow. And again, that's one more thing that you don't have to plan or build yourself. Right now, I think those things are important. In terms of the gift season, I do really believe that the Apple Watch or the other fitness 
tools uh, can really make a difference to people. Uh, what I do caution, and I do have reference materials in the slides for better sleep, and often people buy those tools to track their sleep. And I would mm -hmm. just say from myself and all of the other teachers I've talked to, you have to be really particular on sleep apps because if you're tracking it and you wake up every morning to find I did not sleep well again, it does not really help your overall <laughs> well-being. So you, yes. I think the lesson <clears throat> in that is not every tool works for everybody. You need to find what is your most important thing that you're working on for yourself and focus on that thing and what is a tool or what are some tools that could help you be successful with those things. And that's a great note to end on. I could not uh, support an idea more than that, right? Be intentional, identify the thing that you'd like to work on, be intentional about taking small steps towards making it a part of your routines and habits. And I would just hope for that for all of us and especially our educators. Uh, as you're right, it is tough to be on for our students each and every day for eight hours uh, and step into our homework family lives yes. uh, and manage all those as well. And so thanks for sharing a few things that'll help navigate those and make the world a little lighter. I think. Well, thank you so much for your time today and, uh, and from last week as well on the pod. And uh, I would encourage folks to continue to look forward to the later installments in this series on our ESU Impact as we'll be getting into conversations about some of the special education supports that we statewide are invested in. And so look forward to hearing more about that next week. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Lynn.